we're excited to be here. We want to share a little bit about the ministry in Spain. And unashamedly, I'm going to try to convince you, make you feel a little guilty. No, not guilty, but to, to want to pray for us. That's going to be the whole point of what we're doing this morning. But first, I'd love to have Kathy share a little bit about where our family is right now. Well, like all parents, we love our kids, and being on the other side of the Atlantic with COVID pandemic, we've not been able to see them in a very long time, year and a half. And then last month, we came to the States from Spain. We were able to fly, and we had a family reunion. So we're being silly up there, but we really enjoy being together. Our three married children, of course, were in, in Spain with us until they finished high school and one by one chose to study in the States. This is our oldest, Christy, and she married Ben from the Seattle area, and they live in East Texas. And this is our son, Peter, and his wife, Katie, and they live and work in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And they gave us our two grandchildren, Benjamin and Kinsley. And we really love spending time with them. <laughs> our youngest, Rebecca, married Stephen, and they live in Ohio. Okay. One more? So that's it for it there. Okay, I want to wake you up. You awake? I'm not quite sure about that. Everybody stand up. <laughs> Mike, probably, Mike is probably not going to invite me back to speak again, but anyway. All right, here's a sit-down, stand-up, sit-down activity, okay? Now, if you're physically unable to do this kind of thing, that's fine. Stay seated, no problem. But sit down, sit down if you haven't prayed for a First Baptist Church missionary in the last week. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your honesty. <laughs> you have to think about it, didn't you? <laughs> okay, sit down if you don't know where we have planted churches before. Sit down if you don't know where we have planted churches before. So we lost a few more people, okay. Stand up if you love God and want to be used by Him. Hey! <laughs> Sit down if you can't remember where we work currently. <laughs> okay. Sit down if you can't remember how many kids we have. <laughs> we just showed you. <laughs> so if you sat down, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Sit down if you don't know what a church planter does besides planting a church. How does that happen? Sit down if you really don't know that process. What is it? Okay, great, good, okay. We'll try to address that this morning. Stand up if you want to know why we think that two more years in Astorga is going to make a tremendous difference and we'll see a church established. Okay? Stand up if you want to know if that's going to be possible. Okay, great. Sit down if you think it's time to end this silly activity. <laughs> Do I sit down? Yes, you can sit down. So we, again, are delighted to be here. It's fun, it's fun to share, it's fun to be excited in the Lord. 
in these days of tremendous confusion, conflict, and everything, we have a rock that is centered. And he tells us, stand up, focus on me, for your day of redemption is coming near. Do you believe it? Amen. Okay. Don't get too worked up about masks, politics, etc. God is going to send his son to redeem, well, to finish the redemption of all of us, give us new bodies and everything. I shared with the passion of the man that shared this morning praying for Afghanistan. Wow. But we do have a savior and he is still in charge and we can trust him. We can be, you know, we want to pray for the best, etc. I'm not saying, you know, close your eyes to anything but we want to be focused on the Lord. So we want to share what's been happening in Spain a little bit. We can move to the next slide there. Right now, I'd like you to just kind of, if you would, with me, oh, I'm going to keep mine open, but I'd like you to close your eyes, and I just want you to imagine, okay? Let's imagine you live in Prineville. It could be Redmond, it could be Ben, Madras. But you, you live there, and you have a church almost on every corner. It's a church that worships idols, it's a worship that's constantly asking for money. It's a church that talks about Jesus Christ, but you don't see any changed lives. You don't see any difference in the people as a result. And so your job, along with your wife or husband, or if you're single, another partner, etc., is to start a Bible-teaching church. What do you do? Open your eyes. That's what we're trying to do, okay? It's not easy. You're the only Jesus that they probably will see, you know? So that puts the strength on, on me loving my wife so they can see it. We've got 40 years of marriage now, and we're praying for all the joy that God wants in our relationship because it's so important that others see that and see the difference. Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives as we stay focused on him, okay? We're in an impossible situation. That's fine. You can go on to the next one. We're in an impossible situation. But you know, Paul was also in an impossible situation. We all remember his history. You know, he's three missionary journeys and everything, goes back to Jerusalem, and they grab him, and the Romans save him, and, you know, God had already indicated to him that he had to appear before kings, etc., for my sake, to give testimony. So finally he shipped off to Rome, and where is he? In jail, okay? And so that's why I want us to focus on Colossians chapter 4, 2 to 6, just for a little bit. Okay, if you want to look that up, we'll have the verses on the screen too. But we're in an impossible situation. And so we would say this, next, we have a... Dire need. Do you know what the word dire means? <laughs> okay. <laughs> a very important, a pressing need. Okay. And it's, we find the answer to that dire need in Colossians 4, 2 to 6. So let's move right into it. Go ahead, next slide. Okay. Let's start right here. Okay. Colossians 2, or Colossians 4, 2 to, to first, uh, 2, 3. And he's giving a challenge to this church. He loved the church at uh, uh, Colossae. 
And he was good friends with the guy that started it. And he had never been there when he wrote this letter. But he's loving them, he's encouraging them, and he's giving his example to them. The power of an example is great, isn't it? When you see somebody really live out what they preach. And so this is what Paul's trying to do here. And so he starts off by calling them to be prayer supporters. See what he says about prayer? Three things. Can you capture the three things there that he says about prayer? Okay. Continue. What? Steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful, aware of what's going on. That could be our political situation in the United States and Oregon and Prineville. Being aware of what's going on and praying about it. Okay. Steadfast, hanging in there, staying after it. Yeah, we get tired. We you know, let it slip sometimes, but come back to it. Be praying because our God responds to prayer. Okay. Then he says, well, let's go ahead and hit the, hit the next slide. So what I'm asking you all this morning is to be an invisible prayer advocate. What's invisible meaning you're not seen. You're not there physically, but you are praying. You're advocating. Could be ministries here in the church. Could be Steve and Kathy in Spain. Other missionaries. But you're being faithful in it. And Paul was wanting this to be developed in this church. And he could have been writing that letter to the church, First Baptist Church, Prineville, Oregon, couldn't he? And he was, actually. Okay? So, be an invisible prayer advocate because, next, baseball. How many... Love baseball, okay? <laughs> oh, a lot of you don't. Come on now. <laughs> okay, being a missionary on the field, Steve and Kathy being in, in Astorga right now, um, it would be like a baseball team without the outfielders, okay? Ball's hit to the outfield. Shortstop's got to go chase it down. <laughs> Second baseman's got to go chase it down. Does that work very well? No. No, it doesn't work at all. Missionaries without prayer support doesn't work at all. Okay? We want to be faithful. God encourages us daily as we try to stay focused on him. But boy, we need people behind us praying specifically. Sometimes we forget how important we are in that relationship of being partners in the gospel. Okay? But I want to challenge you. Just like Paul's challenging us here. What's he say? At the same time, okay, as you're praying, pray for us too. The us is Paul and others that are with him in Rome there. Okay? Pray for me, he's saying. I'm in jail. I want to present the gospel. We're going to see what he says about that in just a second. And so that's his, that's his challenge to us this morning too. To take this need, this dire need, seriously. And to really be partners in the work. Now, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you, okay? <laughs> okay? But, wow, God works when people pray. And then you get to be excited about the results. You know, so God is good like that. So, anyway, that's the first point. Invisible prayer advocates. We want to be on the team, okay? Next slide. Moving right on in, in Colossians. That God may open to us a door 
for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul's now telling him, what are you going to pray for? You're an invisible prayer advocate. What are you going to pray for Paul? Well, what's he say? He wants an open door, okay? So we can go to the next slide and put that up there. He's saying, pray that God would give me great opportunities, okay? Paul, you're in jail, maybe chained to a Roman soldier, you know? And he's asking him to pray for great opportunities. So what's that mean? In his case, talk with the guys that are around him, the soldiers that run the prison, and we all know what happened. You know, there's a famous verse there. I think it's in Colossians 2. He says, you know, the Roman, centurion, the Roman guard, the Praetorian guard, many of them are coming to Christ because they're with Paul. Because Paul's a great evangelist, right? Well, yeah, he's probably pretty good. He says he wasn't an eloquent speaker or anything. But you know why? Yeah, he, he worked at it. He had the Colossians praying for him. That God would open the door. He didn't say that I may open the door. He said that God may open the door. Steve and Kathy are dependent on God opening the door in certain moments in a person's life so they can come to know Jesus Christ. Okay? We can't do it. You can't do it. God can. And so it's great. I'll throw this one in uh, since I'm looking at faces around here. Um, a few of you are kind of like me stage of life, etc. And <laughs> who are the great men of God in the Old Testament that God uses? Abraham? How old was he? Well, he was 99 when he <laughs> 100 when he has his first son, or he had one earlier, but that was not in God's will completely there. Okay, so he's got a lot of years on him. Moses, how old's he? 80 when he starts. He goes back to Pharaoh, okay? Lots of folks in the Old Testament that have a little, bit of tr a little bit of wear on their tread, okay? Why is that? Why does God use older people? Because finally we realize that being full of ourselves and trying to do it our way doesn't work. And hopefully as we get older, we get more humble. You know, some of us get more cantankerous. But God, God can use you. He wants to use all of us. And when he says, if you're available, allow me to use you, I will. But let me do it. Okay? So that's what God has been teaching me. So pray for open doors. Keep going. Also pray that we would present the gospel clearly, the mystery of Christ, Jews and Gentiles together, one church, okay? So we, Kathy and I, want to present the gospel clearly to them in ways that they can understand. Usually that takes years for the Spaniard. They have to hear the gospel over and over again. Quick story. What time do I need to be done? Uh, <laughs> 10.30? You don't want to say that. <laughs> Miguel. Miguel's the guy in the Ponfada of the church. Kathy and I spent 20 years there getting the church started. And one day, Miguel calls me on the phone. He is probably at that time 45 years old or so, got a great job. 
and he's madly in love with a girl from Ecuador that he's met online that he's never met in, in, in person. Okay? She tells him, you've got to go talk with an evangelical pastor. This relationship is not moving forward. So he calls me out of the blue. Hey, can I come talk to you? <laughs> he was a little embarrassed, you know. He had been a Catholic catechism teacher. So we get together, walk around the park, spend an hour together talking, and he enjoyed it so much he says, can we do it again? Okay, we do it again. And he says, wow, can I come to your church? Can anybody come to your church? Yeah, yeah, you can come, you can come. So he comes, he's there a month and a half or two, and he's soaking it up, and it's so different. It's, it's you know, light and night, like night and day from what his experience is in the Catholic church. And so... Finally, after about two months, and I'm talking with him outside next near to the river and explain the gospel clearly again and go through it. And I said, would you like to make that prayer? And he looked at me and he said, Steve, I can't pray to God. I can't talk with God. He's a catechism teacher and he can't pray to God. So what's that tell you? Lots of religion, no relationship. Okay. So next day that night, or that next day he says, last night, I went back to the park, Steve, <laughs> spent about a couple hours walking around talking to God. <laughs> the door opened. It was God's moment for Miguel's life. And we're just a you know, small part of that. There's lots more history with Miguel. I won't take the time. If you come out tonight, I'll tell you the end of the story with Miguel. Okay? So we want to pray for great opportunities, that kind of stuff in that we would be ready to share in appropriate ways courageously with the people that God can touch their hearts. Last point, God has us right where he wants us. Where's Paul? On account of which, on account of which I'm in prison, the gospel. I'm in prison for the gospel. Steve and Kathy are in, now, Astorga, Spain, for the gospel. God has us right where he wants us. Got news for you. God has you right where he wants you. He wants you to give testimony to God and pray for open doors for yourself. You know, it's really important stuff. Neighbors, friends, coworkers, family members. In the right way. No, we don't want to be always abrasive, but loving, kind, clearly presenting, living out. Okay, so God has us right where he wants us. So you see what Paul's doing here now? He's using himself as an encouragement for the church in Colossae. And he's doing the same thing to us. Let's move on. You know, you can tell I kind of get excited about this stuff. You know? If you notice in a few minutes, my wife is going to be going like this. So, and that's important. She does do that. Okay, and what's he say now? That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Okay, he feels a responsibility Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Wisdom with those non-Christian people you know. Don't be too blunt with them. Okay? Walk in wisdom. Making the best use of the time. Okay? Takes a person with wisdom to be able to do that. Let your speech always be gracious. What's gracious mean? Kind. Listening. Understanding. Sharing, not condemning, okay? Kind, best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, yeah? It calls their attention, okay? It's engaging. It's, it, it makes them, gives them a desire for more. What's their appetite? 
so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. Prepared. We need to be ready to share the gospel. Are you able to share the gospel? Do you know how to share the gospel? What's the, you know, four or five points, key points that you think that they need to know? Become saved, being prepared. Oh, all this is good stuff. So let's, let's see what I want you to remember here. Pray that Steve and Kathy have a great testimony. Okay, all of that's walking in wisdom. Okay, go on, we'll move on. Preaching, sharing, being kind with clarity and, and wisdom. You know, we really need that. We, you can really remember to pray for that. Next, don't miss the opportunities that God does give. We're praying for opportunities and then we miss them, don't we? Sometimes that's happened to me. Okay, we want to be alert, awake, ready to jump in on those things. Don't miss opportunities and being gracious. Have captivating answers. You can share points of need with other people. How many people have a high level of anxiety today with everything that's happening in our country? It's off the charts, isn't it? Jesus gives us peace. Stay focused on him. That peace that passes understanding is what other people desperately need. Okay? So we want to be people that show what that's all about. Okay? Gracious, captivating answers. Okay? So we'll finish up and just review them all here right now. We'll go to the next slide. We have a dire need. Okay? What's our dire need for Steve and Kathy? Prayer. <laughs> okay? <laughs> we want you to be praying for us. Okay? Yeah, I'm really trying to challenge you. We need your prayer so we can have those great opportunities, so we can present the gospel clearly, okay? Move on. We want you to be invisible advocates. Next one, we want to grab and recognize those great opportunities. And next one, we want to have a tremendous testimony that creates in them a desire, a curiosity to know more, okay? So we're all about that. As believers in Jesus Christ, Paul wants this for the church there in Colossae, and he wants this for us too. Next one. So, Steve, you're talking about prayer. Does it really work? (laughs) Does it really work? Have you seen God answer prayers in your life? I hope so. There's nothing like seeing God sovereignly do something in your life that just puts a smile on your face. And you go, yeah, my faith is worth it. He reveals himself. He needs the lights to do that. Next slide. To give you an overview of where we've been and so you can apply our challenge to prayer where we are specifically now. Okay, we're in northern Spain. Uh, we spent over 20 years in Ponferrada. Okay, about two hours to the west coast, about two hours to the north coast. Beautiful area. God plunked us down there. And over 20 years, we saw him raise up a church. Now, we're working in Astorga. It's about 45 minutes away. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, I didn't want to show you where Astorga is. Oh, there it is. Okay, there's Astorga, okay. <laughs> Ancient Roman capital of all of the northern Iberian Peninsula, including Portugal and everything, and there's Roman ruins under the city, and it's a fun place to be with lots of history. But they need the gospel. They need to know Jesus Christ. Churches on every corner. There's seven 
seven uh, convents or monasteries, seminary, cathedral in this town of 13,000 people. Very important in Spanish history. And we believe God wants to do a tremendous work there. Okay, and that's why we're there. Next slide. Okay. Uh, and so I want this time to be focused on our Savior and our Lord, our, our God. It's easy to be the, the missionary hero. Come back, it's kind of fun. Everybody claps for you, you know, kind of cool. <laughs> it's very encouraging. But you know what? We're here to point a finger up and say God is the one that does the work. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's God's spirit. Got to work. Okay? Not my great ideas. Yeah, we, he wants us to plan. He wants us to do activities, etc. But we have to be dependent on him to touch the hearts. And then the second verse, uh, and you all probably know this one by heart. I love it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power, Holy Spirit power, and his work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever. Amen. How many can say amen? amen? Oh, you can do better than that. Amen. <laughs> it's God's work. He wants us in partnership together so we can glorify him together with the results. Next slide. Pull foot out of the church. That's the way it looked 20 years ago. <laughs> storefront okay nothing inside next picture and there was starting to work on the outside see it says evangelical church is what that says embossed there next slide this is the way it looks now okay next slide and here's the post-covid group it was bigger okay god did a work in Polferrada, amazing stuff, provision of funding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we rejoice in that. And we especially rejoice in, the next slide, this family. That's Israel and Abby, Abigail. Uh, they have three kids. Uh, I'm forgetting the kids' names now. <laughs> Ava and Haciel and Neiel. Okay, great family, worked with us 10 years in Ponferrada, and there was a point in time when he knew we wanted to get back to Astorga to keep working on the church plant there. He came up to me and said, Steve, we've been praying, and we believe God wants us to be pastor of the church in Ponferrada for 10 years. Word for word what we were praying, without putting pressure on them, you know, that kind of thing. Where does that come from? That's God at work. His provision, he sends, ask me, and I'll send laborers into the harvest. You know? And so now they're in charge there. We were able then to refocus. We had to leave the historical work because there was big problems. We had to go back and support the Ponferrada the church, keep it stable. And now three years later, we're ready to go back. And he says that. That just frees us to move out. And the other thing that freed us, we tried to raise funding to buy the chapel because we knew the owners wanted to sell it. And so over a period of four months, for several two or three months, maybe 20% of the need came in. We're praying like crazy, thinking, well, we've got to go to plan B. We don't know what we're going to do. Two weeks' time, about 130,000 euros came in. 
60% of the price. And we were able to get a loan from a church loan fund for 1% interest for the other 40%. Is that miraculous or what? You know, God did the work. He amazingly greater than what we can ask or think. You know, so praise the Lord for this family. They're faithful, doing a fabulous job. There's probably six babies in the church right now. <laughs> Lots of young couples, you know, you see the gospels being preached, etc. Next slide. Then God sends another guy. This is not, uh, he's all a 23. Just bought a house because he wants to get married to this girl, <laughs> to Rebecca. And he's a graduate of a Bible school in Barcelona. And he's a little tiny wiry guy. But he speaks with passion. <laughs> He's a great preacher. <laughs> and, and so he sent him to Ponferrada as a religious education teacher. In Spain, if there's a need, if there's enough kids asking for Protestant religion, the government has to put a teacher there to be able to teach that. If somebody's in the area that can, is equipped to do that. Okay? So he's there. Isn't that amazing? It's not going to last very much longer. But there's not uh, supporting Isra. He's running the youth, and he's helping with the preaching. Look what God has done. You know, we were just the catalyst to get things rolling, and, and these guys are taking it on. Next, next slide. Now we're in Astorga, okay, 45 minutes down the road. This is a very famous building back there. It was Gaudí, the famous Spanish architect's uh, bishop's palace that he built. Okay, so very important uh, architectural thing there in, 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 in uh, Orstorga. 13,000 people, um, big, big needs. This is our chapel. Over about two or three years, once we started renting it, we were fixing it up and everything, and it's just a gorgeous facility now. Even has a basement that I'll show you in just a second. So let's move on. Okay, right now, uh, we, well, before we had to return to Ponferrada, we were having up to 15 people in the services. And some of those folks left, and we had problems. We had to leave. Coming back now, we may, we're probably fortunate when we have two or three. We always have one guy because he came to Christ last December. It was incredible what happened. And I'll, Are you going to share that, or am I going to share that? <laughs> okay, let's move on. So this is what it looks like. And this is the guy that came to Christ last, uh, last November. He's a civil guard, that's like a highway patrolman. And we knew him from eight years previous, and I tried to share the gospel way back when with him, but he was having none of it. But he came by uh, one evening, he's walking down the sidewalk in front of our locale, and he sees the lights on, and we kind of have a relationship with him. And, and so he came in, and he comes all the way to the back of the kitchen, and we you know, offer him something, but all of a sudden he starts weeping. He can't even vocalize the words he's trying to say so we're trying to help him and stuff and he's going through a lot of difficulties God was touching his heart talking about open door for the, <laughs> for the gospel and so and so we start meeting and after about six weeks and we go through the gospel with him and yes he needs the Lord he accepts Christ he's the first one within two more weeks two more came to Christ a university kid and others but let's have Kathy come up and talk about uh, these two girls I want you to get Kathy's input, too, on what God has been doing. The two girls are his from uh, first relationship. He's no longer with their mother. But when he has the opportunity to have the girls, like every other, every third weekend, then he brings them with him to our chapel. And 
and the girls have had um, a religion class at their school, private Catholic school they go to, but it isn't, um, the teacher's already told them he does not believe the Bible, he does not believe in God, it's just like a history class. And so, and so that really fits with the majority of Spaniards. They're atheists and they, you know, th those are fables. But, um, you know, I use a Bible app to help them understand the story, and then as they're doing the craft, I'm talking through the story again, and, and so little by little, they're learning about Jesus and his love for them. The oldest 12-year-old, Sylvia, went on a, to a camp for the first time this summer, but before she went, we taught her Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you. Anyway, the the Bible verse to help her make new friends and be okay at camp. And the youngest, Paula, is a, a real spitfire. She's just a lot of fun. But we're praying that they come to know Jesus personally soon. And um, it, the dad was able to buy each of them a Bible. So they like reading that and underlining. So that's a fun part of our church. Okay, next. so next slide. Yeah, we need to just kind of go through. This is the woman Javier is with now, Veronica, and she is divorced. Javier's never been married, but he's really excited. He wants to marry her. We just need her to come to know Jesus. So, so Veronica, for, we're mentioning some of these names, so you might be tempted to pray for them. Okay. And we do have a paper with some of their pictures on it, so you could take that to help you remember to pray. Okay. This is Ronald, Roni, he goes by, and he's one of those three Spaniards who received Christ last December. He's in nearby Leon at the university, and we're praying for his consistency. He's studying a lot, so we're praying that he takes time for the Lord and growing, reading the Bible. Good. Good. The next. next slide. We've been privileged to work with a big group of immigrants, uh, mostly from uh, Venezuela and from Colombia, uh, an association that helps immigrants get up to speed in Spain, help them to get their paperwork, to become residents, and things like that. H had a, a big group, a couple came down the street one day, saw our church, and asked if they could come. So a few, started, a few believers started coming, and then they started inviting all the rest of them. We had as many as 26 in some of our services with these immigrants. Three of them, at least three and maybe more, came to know Jesus Christ, including this couple. Next slide. This is uh, Esnader, it's a great name, isn't it? Esnader and Laura and Nico, their son, uh, we had a service up on the hillside above the, where they live with the other people that wanted to come with us and they received Christ and they're now in Madrid growing and encouraged, involved in a church. He's revolutionized their marriage. He's helped him with purity in his mind. And it was just wonderful to see those changes that God does. Next slide. This is one of my friends, Blanca. We met the two teenagers first through some of our youth activities and uh, her husband divorced her. She's, she has Parkinson's. A year after the divorce, he, they put her in the nursing home. And so she has a whole new set of fears and life change. But um, for now, she's very lucid. And I meet with her. I take her out um, in her wheelchair. And the rest of the town sees this. They see that I'm really staying close to Blanca and trying to see if she might be available to come to know Jesus. Next slide. 
And these are some of my other friends that come. We go to the open market together on Tuesdays. And the two on the left are sisters. I'm closest to the younger one, Patricia. You could pray for these. All three need Jesus. Teresa in white on the right. She um, also goes to a gym class with me. So I see her various days during the week. Okay. Next slide. And this is a, a group, this is not all of them, but we have a quilting group. And sometimes they bring um, other things like knitting or crochet, but they really enjoy being together. Remember, all non-Christians. And the goal? To have relationships with them and conversations about Jesus. Okay. This is Peely, another friend. We've been in each other's homes, which is huge in Spain. Usually you meet people on the street and coffee shops, but um, we've really spent a lot of time with her family, two adult children. Her husband is the main character for every theater group that the, that the city puts on, and we've had a long-standing relationship with Peely. Yep. And we have uh, this basement of our facility that we've turned into a youth center. We've got foosball, ping pong, big screen TV there. Um, Friday nights and open up the doors, have the kids come in. And pre-COVID, we had as many as 29, 30 kids. <laughs> well, that was chaos. Too many. But all for the idea of getting close to them, relating with them, helping them, and, and praying for those open moments. So, so that's been exciting. Now we've got to start it all over again because it's down to zero as a result of COVID. So we've got to bump it up again. So you can be praying for that one. Next slide. And I just want to finish with talking about another um, ministry that I'm involved in. I'm on the, uh, the board for this. Uh, we have a program called FSO. It's a three-year uh, training program for church leaders. Most Spaniards don't have the, uh, the, the ability to take off a year or two to go study the Bible somewhere. And the churches are small, and they need those leaders. They just can't take off. So this is six weekends a year for three years. Okay, so the people come. It's been running almost 16, 17 years now. Over 250 have graduated from the program. Well, they got kicked, we got kicked out of where we were in a camp. Okay, we had to find another location. And so after a year and a half and challenging, the, the, the group is mostly Spaniards, along with my brother-in-law, Kathy's older brother, Dan. Um, we found a property, and it's called, Nava, it's called we call it Nava, uh, La Posada, which means the inn. At Nava Fria is the name of the town. And with God's help and the board deciding to take a step of faith, over a million euros has come in. And we lack about 600,000 more to finish the purchase, but we're way ahead on the payments. And this is where we meet. Next slide. Has about 13 bungalows and, and more property that you won't see right now. But God is using that. So we ask prayer for this particular uh, project as well, too. So this is uh, the last graduating class. These are people that are going back and using what they've learned in their local church. And so it's been exciting. They come from all over Spain to participate. Next slide. So, and we'll move right through this one. So how can you help us with our dire need? And you all respond by saying... Prayer. Hey, you got it. Okay. Well, and so what are you going to pray for? <laughs> Open doors. Great testimonies. You know, the ability to share. Next slide. Do you want to be an invisible advocate for the historic church plan? 
If you would, why don't you come up and talk with Kathy and I. We'll write down your name, get your prayer letter, or get your email, or however you want to communicate. We have that there. So we'll end just by saying these are the three big goals we have for the next two years. Fifteen, to come to Christ and be faithful in church attendance, and co-workers to come alongside us. Just like God provided in Honduras, Ponferrada, now we pray that he'll do it. So we would be free maybe in two years. We might think about retiring. I don't know. We'll see what God has for us. So thank you very much for your attention. We praise God for this church. You've been so faithful to us over the years. And so I better close it off right there.